makes a man? What makes a man? What makes a man? What makes a man? What is a man? Who is a man? Why is a man? Is it all just drag? You know who to ask. It's the Drag King cast. So then I said, okay, right. I said, construct this gender, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I can't believe you said that. I know, right? (laughs) You're so funny. Men are so funny. Men are funny. Men should have more podcasts. (laughs) You're so right. (laughs) We should do one. Oh, oh, speaking of podcasts. Hello, audience. I didn't see you there listening so intently. Hello. Welcome to the Drag King cast. I'm John Travolver. And I'm a loose Willis taking up space in your airwaves. And uh, this is a podcast about drag, queerness, gender, and performing masculinity. Long live the kings. Long live the king. This podcast is brought to you by Pex Drag Kings, who are an off-Broadway award-winning uh, theater and cabaret troupe made up of women and non-binary people who put on sexy shows about gender uh, for your pleasure. We're not doing so much of that now uh, due to coronavirus having ravished the uh, theater industry and all that, but we are hoping right here and now to put on a sexy show for your eardrums. So uh, you'll be hearing from, well, a whole load of our mm. Pex boys actually we've got thrust and limber snake mr golden balls is he a man victor victorious and uh, they're all going to be dropping in to talk to you about queer history and queer literature queerness in general and sexuality Oh, it's going to be fucking great. It sounds queer as heck, buddy. Uh, the great thing is each week we're going to have a longer interview with one of our favorite uh, drag performers on the scene. And they're going to talk to us at length about who they are and how they are and why they do what they do and all about gender and drag performance. And it's super exciting. And, uh, you know, I'm excited and I get to work with my best buddy in the world, John Travolta. I'm so lucky. We are lucky. Actually, actually, we're really lucky. Like, Pex on this amazing trip of women and non-binaries, right, mm, that yeah. we get to perform with. And we are, in fact, cis men. Yeah, you know, I never really thought about that much before, but y- y- it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. I mean... Yeah, I do get asked, now you mention it, I do get asked to do like a lot of drag king uh, performances. I I guess I always assumed it's because I am so masculine, like so over the top masculine. People just assume that it's like a clever uh, parody being done by a a non-binary person or a woman. But, you know, I can assure you that I am 100% heteronormative, cisgendered, macho, masculine, manly man, 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 man. Totally. I love you, man. I love you, man. You know, you're so macho. You're like, Thanks. you're like Bruce Willis. You know, who? Oh. There they go. Get out of here, you little scamps. Bye, guy. Oh, just look at them. Just two men, just walking away down the road, the way the men walk. You know the way. Oh, gender. Oh, gender. Should we? Should we explain who we are? <laughs> yeah. Should we break the fourth wall? Oh, okay. Can you do that on podcast? Yeah, just smash that wall. Smash that wall. Smash it. Hello, we're Katie and Jody, and we're the disembodied voices behind John Travolva and Luis Willis. I like how you introduce both of us as well. It's like, we're well, one. you don't we're get one. to. I'm the man here. 
<laughs> we're one we're one body one voice one soul one vision yeah. like god yeah like <laughs> this has gone weird already i think we're really kidding <laughs> I'm just excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm. My name is Katie. I am Luce Willis and Pex. I have been doing drag for six years now. Um, my pronouns are any any pronouns. I have a, I have a lot of gender. I'm Jody. I'm Jody Mitchell. Yeah, I've been doing drag for. It must be three years now that I've been doing John Travolta. But I think I was doing drag before that because I got recruited from doing improvised comedy the shame because <laughs> I was doing I was doing masculine characters so that people wouldn't talk over me so I feel like John was several years in the making there as well yeah but I'm a I'm a stand-up comedian and I'm just trying to make comedy all the comedy I can I wonder if people were confused by how different we sound I get a lot of uh of, of the rage when people realize that I'm really English sounding when yeah. John is so Scottish. So who is, like, give the, I guess if we give the audience, I mean, I'm sure John and Luce will come and talk to the audience more in further episodes oh, so they back. can, Can't get they rid can of understand them. them more. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're, they're cis men, aren't they? So, of course, they're going to want to hog up the airwaves. But um, if you had to give a little overview of who John Travolver is to the audience, what would you say? I think I'd say, well, I, I have to disclose that I forgot that my dad... Well, they're both my father figures, actually. We're called John. <laughs> when I named him John Travolta. <laughs> Which is just so unuseful. Have you told your therapist about that? Oh, my therapist. It's it's like a therapist's like, work dream, isn't let it? Let me get my bigger book and my... My, and my, my big pen. <laughs> I mean, like, so many people have fought so hard to convince... To convince the many that drag kings don't just have daddy issues i feel like i've really undermined that immediately you're like daddy issues and i'm like i'm doing because i fucking hate men <laughs> I hate men man hating queer pog <laughs> i mean listen i hate men too yeah <laughs> no i mean john is john is um i mean i grew up in scotland and then I moved, I moved down and I lost my accent and my entire family are Scottish. So he's sort of semi-based on uh, my on my family, I guess. He's inspired by my family. He is also a Glaswegian Catholic. And I mm. did forget that my dad is a Glaswegian Catholic as well. So he's just, he's just macho. You know, he's quietly macho and he's he's trying so hard to be a good person he's a feminist mm. but he also takes up a lot of space explaining to women what feminism is yeah. he's that guy so he's trying very hard but he's deeply deeply flawed his stand-up is quite good though yeah he's quite he's quite funny I'd, I'd recommend him to a friend if you if I saw him no I'd recommend him to my friends and neighbors definitely thanks bro. It's a bit of a soft boy I think what about loose where did loose come from um I'm not really. I think loose is kind of all of the parts of me um, that is just like if you took all the kind of anxieties around um, sexuality and masculinity mm. and you put them in a blender and shook them, uh, that that would be what loose Willis is. He is um, an American man. I am not American. I have no context or relation to America. Um, <laughs> but other than I think I absorb a lot, a lot of pop culture. So I think that's kind of where he came comes from. Loose Willis. Um, one of his many jobs he's had is a, a pornographic performer, um, mm. which 
I find something interesting in having a man whose job it is to have a it basically I feel like he's the only the only thing he's ever done right is like have a, a nice penis um but he's not good at anything else and he is very like he's his job is to have sex but he's always extremely shy and nervous um about actual intimacy and contact with people I suppose my kind of Venn diagram of who Liz Willis is is like if you had Matthew McConaughey's character from Days and Confused and um Garth from Wayne's World and um Old Gil from The Simpsons Jack Lemmon's character from Glen Gary Glen Ross that is uh, kind of <laughs> those are my re- so I'm not interested I'm not I'm obviously a very sexual performer very very, very charismatic not terrifying nerves. um yeah he's just yeah yeah I think he started out as a much more kind of um misogynistic quite like scary uh figure and as he's grown over the years I've done it he's more about like learning with the audience how to be a better person and to try and do the right thing and ask questions when he doesn't know how and he's he's Mm. he's very cute and stupid I would say but um he's got a good good heart yeah such a good heart I think that's why they're such good friends because neither of them are toxic Mm. right they both want to self-improve yeah they're both yeah they're just they're a little bromance going on I think that's what I think that's a lot of what Pex is about as well for us is like making shows that bring joy and happiness to people like we we want people to get the kind of warm fuzzies and and we get called wholesome a lot which I always really like even when I'm doing really weird things sometimes (laughs) there is like an underlying kind of wholesomeness and friendship I think that runs through it that's very important to everyone in the group um because we all work as a collective and we all love each other a lot so that's what we try and show I guess a utopia of masculinity how how all the men in our life would be if they were the best version of themselves yeah and where masculinity is not owned by cis men as well because I feel like it's a utopian celebration of masculinity when it's owned by bodies that aren't men yeah so it's not just celebrating men themselves yeah because well I would not be okay with that (laughs) (laughs) that's that's all I've signed up to (laughs) worshipping at the altar of men (laughs) you're on the wrong train baby I knew you'd do this. Yeah, <laughs> in the first episode, <laughs> I stick the knife in to try and get to climb up the ladder to impress all the cis men that are listening to this, obviously. <laughs> Our main listenership. Our main listening group, cisgender middle-aged men. That's why I'm so excited to, well, I'm excited to do this with you, first and yeah. foremost. But no. I, I'm so excited to do this because I think the conversation around drag is so often about drag queens, which mm. drag queens should be celebrated there incredible Mm. and so important but there are so many performers that aren't that wouldn't be featured on like RuPaul's Drag Race for example right and I think it's yeah I think for us it was a big part of wanting to do this was that when you know the scene is it's always been there but I feel like there's a lot more interest in it in in recent years and we are such a small part of it but it's when you see uh, people talking about drag kings or interviewing drag kings or drag things, it is always in comparison to drag queens or asking them about like, what are, what is a drag king? And what do you think of RuPaul's Drag Race? And it's like, it's such a, it does not exist in comparison or competition to the day, the, you know, the dominating cultural force. It's this wonderful 
space full of these really cool people who are putting on art that ranges from extremely political and uh, you know to really sexual to really comedic and goofy like that it's this prism of all different people performing gender that we don't yeah. really get to see or hear about exactly and some of the drag that we love the most off of RuPaul's Drag Race as well is is made by well is drag that is about performing gender I feel mm. like some of the drag that's celebrated the most on there is uh no longer about just quote-unquote impersonating women well right cis met women it's not about quote-unquote passing anymore yeah, in realness and, yeah. yeah it's much more it's coming from performers that aren't cis men as well yeah and so I think the conversation about drag has moved beyond that now. It's time to celebrate performers that are maybe assigned female at birth who still aren't allowed to compete on RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, how mad is that? That's yeah. so unacceptable. It's like, yeah, as you said before we started recording, it's like, can you imagine in any other entertainment industry where you are allowed to be like, no, only one gender is allowed to compete and yeah. it's cis male. Or like like the sort of slow edging of allowing some non-binary people to compete on RuPaul's Drag Race, some trans women, but not, not other people. Way. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. it's that thing of drag, drag kinging and drag that isn't just about being a drag queen has existed for so long. And we're seeing this amazing upsurge of it now, but it's not a new thing. No, no. It's got this incredible history. Yeah, it's been around as long as gender's been around. And so we're, we're in a very privileged position to be able to talk to talk about it. But we also want to talk about it and with people that we love and we want to share that with other people. And it's nice to be able to talk to these performers and actually ask them, you know, who are your influences? Why did you make this act? Where does your aesthetic come from? Rather than just the kind of same old questions that, you know, I always seem to get asked of like, what's down your trousers or like it's a girl or what do you wear what do you like what is dragging i feel like a lot of people are so incredulous because they don't they'll be like what do you do wear trousers yeah and that's because masculinity is seen as the neutral right the neutral yeah and therefore how could you possibly perform it and it's like once you actually go to a drag king show i've had friends that have come to see our shows that have gone oh my god like all gender is performance and it's yeah. it totally changes your worldview once you accept that totally drag kings are exceptional like i feel like watching drag kings i've seen some of the most sexy mm. moving fucking talented radical hot stuff like, yeah. so radical everyone should get to experience it yeah and I, I think for me as well it was something that when i started doing it it was something that it started as a parody of everything that i hated about men and I wanted to make fun of men about and what I saw as quote-unquote masculine traits but the more it develops the more you realize that I am masculine and I am feminine in one body like it's put me so much more in touch with my gender and my queerness and the more you play with it the more you realize that there is no acceptable neutral everybody has this wonderful smorgasbord inside them of gender and there's no right or wrong way to perform or do drag on any of them it's a wonderful playground that we should all get to participate in oh, i love you so much <laughs> <laughs> you're so clever i love you too no i'm not i feel like i we've done the thing now we've listened back to a few of our interviews and i i i hear my own voice and i'm like no one wants to hear this shit <laughs> 
I love your voice. Self-doubt and little baby. But yeah, another reason we wanted to do the podcast is because I just want to do lots of smiling and laughing with my best friend, Jodie. I want to do smiling and laughing with my best bottle loose and slash Katie. Oh, oh such baby. fun. I'm excited for this episode, actually, because yes. I love Christian Adore, who we talked to this week. I, I think that he is an incredible king. Yeah. Like such a such a talented talented king improv comedy king um and a singer we if you all you watch is RuPaul's Drag Race it is a reality show and each week someone's being set up to fail and you you miss out on all these wonderful things of seeing people shine and dominate at things they are incredible at Christian Adore is an amazing comedian improv performer superstar their drag is so so non-binary as well yeah so it's so genderqueer and it's so I mean, he's so handsome and also so <laughs> fabulous in camp. I'm blushing. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> now you lucky people get to listen to our interview with the drag legend that is Christian Adore. Jessica. Hi. Hey, Jessica. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Jessica, or do we do we call Christian Adore for this? Oh, you... I mean, it, I always find it really difficult to tell with these things because I'm not in character. I'm not like speaking as Christian. Therefore, maybe Cheska. Mm, yeah, I feel like I'm sure Christian will turn up because he's he's like that. <laughs> yeah, we would we would love to have a chat with Christian later. I mean, I've... it's like it's like verging on split personality at this point. When I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Thing, I find it quite hard sometimes when you do do someone who like because someone like Christian Adore has a very strong character of what you do when you get on stage versus when you're talking to you. Like sometimes after mm. a gig, it's like, do I like keep it on because people want to talk to me, or do I like turn it off, or like how long can you keep it going before you actually like go insane, kind of thing. I I so so know this feeling. It's like also my 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 drag persona is a lot more confident at speaking to people I don't know than mm. me. Like I'm per like my actual personality is really very geeky and very socially inept. Mm. And so like, but like Christian's very like, oh hello, like goodness me, like people, I'm inept at speaking, but do it anyway. Yeah. And so it's just it's it's interesting when people kind of come up to you after you after do you come after you? <laughs> no. Um, I'll cut you, your rap wasn't good enough. But like they come up after kind of expecting you to 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 still be that like mm. They want yes. the fantasy to kind of continue, like, yeah, how could you make I had that feel? last night. Really? That, yeah. I do I do serenades. I will like serenade people mm. and often you get someone up, you interview them, and you like develop a rapport. And mm-hmm. part of the joke is that Christian is like hopelessly in love with this person. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and is going to like sing to them. Um, <laughs> but it means that afterwards the people like come up to after you and they're like, hey so that drink right and you're like oh hey here's my girlfriend like (laughs) you mean nothing to me yeah i'm just gonna place my foot in my mouth and see like (laughs) it's so awkward when that happens i mean obviously for me my when we perform with pecs my girlfriend is in pecs as well so when that mistake happens it's particularly uncomfortable because there's like another man in a beard standing behind me (laughs) 
furious little man in a bed. <laughs> oh man. I mean, uh-huh. I, I usually just have people wanting to take care of me after gigs rather than be sexually attracted to me. So I'm comfortable with all kind of approaches usually. That's fine. Even though you're a porn icon and a gorgeous boy. Yeah, but I think this is the way I carry myself. I think people are more like, you know, bless his heart, you know. Well, I, I would have thought that's what my drag persona would invite i never quite understand people who are attracted to christian because he's not he's not terribly sexy i think part of his charm is the kind of like slightly hugh grant-esque like dancing across the corridor when he's by himself like slash he's definitely going to do something or say something suave and then like drop everything three (laughs) minutes later (laughs) i think some of the intrigue maybe is as well because i often think of christian adore as quite like a blend between masculine and feminine like he he is he has that kind of like contoured face and jaw and he has that kind of yeah Hugh Grant thing you're saying but you also have like glitter and you have this kind of like vulnerable like slightly campness to you so I think maybe people do you find that people get kind of intrigued by that mix of gender that you portray I definitely think so I I, I think I noticed it right from when I started doing drag it was it's it can verge on fetishizing, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, let's yeah. not go there. Um, uh, we can actually. I have no. Yeah, idea totally. Um, um, no, I think um, I think people are intrigued because of the freedom. I think it's mm. the same thing with like any drag character. I think one of the reasons why people are so drawn to these people who don't seem to apply by those barriers that a lot of people feel simultaneously like compelled to adhere to and constrained and suffocated by and suddenly you're like oh god here's someone who's okay so i'm attracted to people who present masculine but actually this person's got some qualities about feminine femininity that i really like too Mm. okay well the normal constraints of what constitutes a correct gender isn't isn't sitting correctly with my eyes here but also like they're interesting slash flirting therefore am I attracted to them? Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, just like, totally. it's a bit like, wow. It kind of like hits different parts of your, like it stimulates things. I think people maybe haven't stimulated before or like it stimulates oh, a lot of parts all at the same time, especially when Christian's <laughs> on stage, a lot of things are getting stimulated. Absolutely. Stimulate your frontal cortex, am I right? For those that haven't like seen you do your thing, what would you say is like a typical gig that Christian does? Like what's, what's the act? Uh, the typical actual thing we do is uh, I'll improvise some form of song for you and then I'll do an improvised rap incorporating some stuff that people will have said in the int- on- from the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and as someone that has seen you, it's incredible. Thank it's you. so, so good. I've never seen someone be able to riff like that and to rhyme, improvise like- that well yeah it's like i like you do one about like minor inconveniences or things and you'll yes. just get people to yell out things that are like slightly annoying to them and it'll be you'll you'll combine like a stone getting stuck in your shoe with like someone walking too slowly in front of you and you'll find yeah. a way to like kind of rhyme it all together and i've never not seen people just kind of sit there with their mouth open like how how did you do that like <laughs> how did you um, learn how to do that did you how long have you learned, done improv for so I've done improv for five years now. Mm. Um, I started at uni and um, I was thinking about this literally the other day. Um, when I I auditioned for a group called the Oxford Imps, which Jodie, I think you know. Oh, you yeah, well, that's how we first met. We did it's our crossover show. With, we did. 
the rivals, oh. the Edinburgh Improverts, which I was <laughs> So yeah, we're cut from the same cloth. And uh, I, I remember I auditioned for it, not really knowing what it was because I wanted to impress a girl um, mm. who was also... <laughs> auditioning for it and she came up to me at like you know 10 p.m or whenever the thing started and was like yo yo, yo this is a really cool thing and I was like wait cool improv okay <laughs> <laughs> that's not but what I heard. you're hot so I'm going yeah. um I went I got got in and um it was genuinely a fluke and then I found musical improv and I was like oh my god if I'm singing suddenly it's really easy um because somehow rhyming just comes naturally mm. and then kind of really practiced the rap because that was a lot harder but I had a friend called Chris Turner who was insanely good and he just gave me some tips and I was like all right fine I'll practice and practice and practice because I have a very obsessive personality and then (laughs) I found drag and I was like oh my god wait I now have a drag character who's like stuttery and stammery as his personality so it's okay that he says stuff which doesn't make any sense yeah and it's okay that he like puts his foot in his mouth and says awkward stuff and it's generally really silly and it suddenly took all of the pressure off. And then like the skill growth was exponential once the pressure was off. So Kristen adores one half of the Drag Pop Review, which is me and Ed Scrivens slash Eaton Mess. Mm. Um, we do an improvised musical together, like kind of like Showstopper, but really gay with loads of glitter. Ugh. And um, two of us. I think that's something people don't mention of like part of the journey is like, oh yeah, I found my character and I was doing this, but like actually lots of emails and admin is often like the center point beginning of the journey. <laughs> the journey. So much. I think also it depends what kind of drag you want to be doing, what where you want to be performing and who you want to be performing to, what your mm. aim is. Because if your aim is to be doing spots, like I not ever having to do more than a 10 minute slot or a 15 mm. minute slot, or if you want to be a host, that's very different skill sets equally if you want to be doing like getting booked in theaters and stuff like you're going to have to produce Mm -hmm. those shows yourself so I think something which pecks you really well as well is like from start to finish producing a run of a show in the same way that you might produce a run of I don't know a play or something yeah yeah like thinking about it kind of like being part of a whole rather than I mean it's it's good I think that's what's something good about your improv as well is though that you can also it's something that it's it's expandable like you could be booked for a five minute slot to go and do like a rap mm. but like the more you see it and the more you live with it the more you kind of get out of it like mm, I think I much prefer if I'm really honest as much as the spots are fun and they are fun um they're very, also very validating for a short amount of effort mm. yeah um uh, although sad to get dressed up for for, for five minutes, um, but like and and also the community vibe of it, turning up to a gig, like mm-hmm. it's a it's a big queer night. There's loads of people there that you want to speak to. You get to see some wonderful, beautiful acts. Like last night, I was at um, the non-binary cabaret, and Smashley Monroe did the uh, you know a lip sync for the first one, and then did some spoken word for the second one, and oh. I just like learned some new stuff about Smashlin Monroe that I didn't know. Smash is so cool, fantastic. Every time I see Smashlin, they do something like entirely different. Like they are, uh, they're just like a kaleidoscope of just skills and outfits, and yeah, and, and all inc- in the same act. Sometimes, I mean, I never, I never suspected that there would be nails involved <laughs> in the last act I saw them do, and yet there were, and it was incredible. Oh the circus skills on that one oh god damn yeah smash is amazing 
they they've still promised me that they're going to teach me how to staple things to my chest i'm just interested i'm always interested i am always interested in those like skills where it's just about what your body can do yeah like the fear is more i think than the well obviously the holes in your skin as well but mainly i'm just really fascinated and so what was my point i think my point was cabaret is fun Mm-hmm. But I think my heart lies in the longer shows because mm-hmm. you get to, for two hours or an hour, really develop a rapport with an audience yeah. and tell a story. And the songs, anyone can make up a song on the spot, I think. Like my serenades and stuff where like I'll make up a song for someone is a skill and it you almost feel like you're kind of going look at this flashy thing i can do like ah clever Mm. um whereas like when it's part of a longer show uh the things you're making are more like people want to hear it because they're invested in the characters you've made and Mm. they're a the song is funny outside of whether you can do a funny rhyme or not like and whether you can parrot back to someone what they've said to you but just making jokes about it do you know what i mean it's just yeah slightly different skill i find it so interesting talking to other drag performers that do longer form stuff because Mm. it's it's what we do mostly but it's interesting talking to someone who also has that joy for the cabaret scene and getting to interact with other members of the community but who enjoys longer form in that way do you do you perform as yourself as well not as christian i have done i have done um i for me, I so I'm a writer outside of my drag career, which is, you know, a source of constant frivolity and joy, I'd say. Um, <laughs> yeah. My kind of day job, so to speak, is writing. I write for screen, I write for stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to like me being myself, I'd prefer to write something on a page and then rehearse it and perform it. Yeah. Um, uh, as I said, I'm really not very good at being myself on stage at all. I'm I'm horribly awkward. It's the only <laughs> way to do. I, 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 and yet your dra- your drag persona is so confident. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a there's a security in knowing that you can't. What is it? Is it like not because I feel like I there's an army of us. There's an army of like sweet anxious <laughs> queers who walk on stage. <laughs> And then are oh, this massive person. Like I think I'm a bit like that as well. Like I yeah. do stand up as myself, but it's stand up is practice over and over again. You know, I would think it's. Do you think there's something quite interesting as well as like a self-identified sweet anxious queer that like, God, is that what I am now? A sweet anxious queer. I think that's what, like that's that. a phrase that you said that I really. <laughs> the identity we've given you. Yeah, now. yeah, and that's what you you said, and I'm co-opting it for myself as well. But really good. I. Do you think there's something interesting in the fact that like our more confident personas in which we perform on stage are male or masculine personas? Like that is how we feel kind of more confident, like taking up space and being more kind of in command of our performance. I don't, you know, I I I don't. It's because I think it's because quite often in all the media we consume, and this is obviously like that total pop psychology, like, okay, here's my hot take. Pop away. Please pop. Sizzling. 
um, is that we are taught to read male incompetence as adorable, cute, <laughs> fallible, emotionally available, vulnerable. Even he's How he's allowing he take care of kids. He's a dad. Like yeah, like he's allowing he's he's allowing us to see that more like stumbly side to him. And like if he messes up, like well, he's kind of gonna try and gloss over it, and that's equally charming. Mm. Um, we see it everywhere, like everywhere um i'm reminded of the recent clip i saw of boris johnson spending like a full 10 minutes trying to do the police like stop you're gonna be arrested you have the right range silent speech and literally being like no no i'm a man i can take up this space and time of everyone's life Uh, versus when we see women you know afab whatever like society reads on to them fumble it seems incompetent so yeah. everybody get a knife out quickly <laughs> so it's like the margin of error is so much that you're forgiven for so much less yeah as a yeah, performer that isn't read as a cis man yeah. yeah but if a girl like like genuinely i noticed this a lot when i was in the imps mm. if you were a boy on stage people forgive your foibles and think they're funny yeah if you're a girl on stage people read you as being incompetent and underconfident mm. if you're oh. wrong I'm yeah. clicking. I'm not clicking out loud because it would disrupt the audio quality. But I so agree with you. Like, yeah. K- Katie, did you do improv? At, at yeah, I did improv when I used to do stand up, like as my as my uh, feminine self or myself, not in drag. And mm. it's that f- that feeling, which I, I don't know if it exists as much anymore because I don't do it not in drag anymore. But you feel almost that kind of like trepidation and fear in the audience when you walk out onto stage as a man. It's that kind of thing of being like, I hope she's going to be good. Like, oh, yeah. fingers crossed. Like they don't feel entirely confident in your hands from the beginning. Whereas if you just yeah. walk out as a guy, it's like, okay, I'm ready to laugh. Let's go. Yeah. Like you can impress me where it's coming from a perspective of being a, a woman. It's like, oh God, like, here we go. Like she might be okay. Like, yeah. It's a trust thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's really a trust thing. Laugh unless they trust you, and people don't trust anyone that walks out on stage that they don't read as a cis man. And that—that's how my drag persona came to be. Actually, I developed. Seriously? Yeah, I got—I got asked to do my first peck show, my sort of first little trialy peck show, where I bonded with Katie forever, um, <laughs> because the directors of it saw me do an improvert show, and John was one of the characters I did because I was so used to being talked over and because I found out fairly rapidly that the only way to convince people that I was confident and worthy of their trust was to be a quote-unquote man during the show. And the only thing I had to do to do that was to sound slight, slightly more masculine and walk on with a bit more swagger. And In it, because there's not much... <laughs> difference no. between you as, as as you and you as your your your, your drag sorry can i just check are you, you do you identify as non-binary yeah i do you say them yeah, and you said you do the non-binary cabaret yes i i identify as non-binary yeah yes, yes, um, yes, yes. that is something i'm coming becoming more and more comfortable saying um mm. i think i get very self-conscious about it because i have long hair i know that sounds like no it doesn't sound ridiculous it's entirely accurate people it is very coded feminine mm-hmm. and um so I always feel a bit like people are going to be like, yeah, but are you though? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, as a result, I get really nervous and yeah. just kind of didn't. But the thing that changed my mind mm-hmm. is my very, very conservatively minded Yorkshire bred and born, ex-army stepdad, 
um, who I'm sure he won't mind, you know, vote, voted Brexit is very, you know, that can picture him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. One day I walked in and my, my mom was like, oh, um, she said something gendered like, oh, haha, you've got the posture of a policewoman or something. I don't know. That was, mm. yeah. And Alan turns, yeah, he's called Alan as well. Fantastic. Uh, turns and goes, oh, no, 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 no. It's police person. And my mom was like, you what? And she was, he was like, well, I know our Franny's a bit, well then, you know, it's not really, it's not really a police woman, but it wouldn't be a police man either. I think she's more gender fluid you know, Alan. just all of the genders. Now he's never heard the term gender fluid in his life, but no. Alan is being like, "Yeah, well, obviously she's not really a boy. Sometimes she's a boy, sometimes she's a girl, sometimes it doesn't matter." And I was like, "Well, look, if Alan, if Alan can get on board, <laughs> yeah. um, more Alans, please." That's gorgeous. Yeah, open-minded Alans. Your identity is valid and gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, that's so sweet. I love that. It's so reassuring when you hear something that. Well, I'm sure you have this too, where you feel like you're within your little queer bubble and you're all like constantly intellectualizing identity and wow. reprocessing and like trauma projecting all over the place, like wow. slipping over in your own trauma projections and rolling around in them. I'm really enjoying this image. I'm really enjoying the mental image. <laughs> just like, yeah. It's like people are crying and then like making the puddles and then someone else <laughs> slipping over in the puddles. Mm-hmm. I was imagining like a kind of rainbow covered like kiddie pool, like just yeah. Yeah, <laughs> splashing around once, maybe too small for me. Maybe so we, we should just... set this up as an art installation. I think so. Just have a bunch of queers kind of like walking into the thing and then slipping over and then like crying. Rolling or... around. <laughs> Sarchi Gallery, you heard it here I first. Yeah. Oh, don't. This is copyrighted. Yeah, copyrighted. copyrighted. Don't Back even try it, Sarchi. Yeah, right. Um, no, I'm just so reassured by that. That's so nice. I mean, I've had that quite a lot with like some of my own family members as well, where I think they think that non-binary is like a synonym for shops at ASOS. Like they don't get that at all. But they're surprisingly like down with other stuff. I think I think that's the thing. It's for me, what was particularly validating about the Alan Sitch was that it he hadn't based it on aesthetic. It wasn't mm. that I had to look like a like I know this this term is problematic for some people. I, I mm. but dikey is like mm. a thing that gets thrown around mm. a lot, or like hyper mask. Uh, there are people who are like in inverted commas societally lucky to look kind of mm-hmm. fairly in inverted commas androgynous, but that's also not the reality of a lot of non-binary people's existence mm-hmm. slash trans men, trans women, whatever. Like your body doesn't do the things in the same way that a lot of, you know, AFAB people's bodies <laughs> don't do what women's bodies are supposed to do yeah. either. Because it yeah. t- turns out society keeps changing its mind about what is a good female body and what isn't. Like, yeah. it's almost like it's all bullshit. Oh, Cheska, that's too far. That's yeah, too that's far. Too Sorry. Far, yeah. Let's get back but, to what's yeah, between yeah. the legs, please. That's what... Uh... What it's, all about. it's that idea that like he was genuinely looking at it from a kind of well if it doesn't matter that mo- much i suppose you kind of play around with all of it so mm. go for your life i guess attitude which yeah. i genuinely think if that had been the attitude always that 
I would be slightly le- well, more well-adjusted potentially than I am now. <laughs> Sweet pal. I mean, now that you've discussed something uplifting, something that we would quite like to incorporate into the podcast, but this is the first episode we're recording, so maybe we'll never do it again, but we wanted to have a drag it corner where you get to drag something that's caused you rage so anything that's caused you rage anything that you think absolutely not anything that you're like that's a minor inconvenience and I feel slightly annoyed by it it's a lot of pressure to put on a person to just put Mm. it out do you mind if I do you mind if I have a moment to think about that please think away think away I'm going to ask Katie what's on their t-shirt quickly what is on your t-shirt you can only trust yourself and the first six back sabbath albums oh fantastic You've got the rule of six on your own t-shirt. Well done, you. Oh, oh, I have something that's really upsetting me at the moment. Go, Jessica. Really? Okay. So, oh, oh man. Am I allowed to even say this? I don't know. So basically, um, as I mentioned, I am not only a drag performer and theatre writer, but a screenwriter, which means Mm -hmm. sometimes you write projects which are not your projects um, (laughs) and you have a lot less artistic control. One of the wonderful things about stepping on stage as a drag king is you can say and do whatever the frick you like and it's your brand, it's your time and you choose whether you do the gig or not based on whether you fancy the cash slash the experience, right? Yeah. Um, With screenwriting, you get put on a project and you say yes to the project and it's not necessarily your idea and you don't have full creative control. And uh, there is a male director, who I will not name, uh, <laughs> who ref- who opens every message to me and my co-writer. Um, Hi, girls. Uh, and uh, I, I really can't explain how much it pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just a tiny, like there are. By the way flagrant misogynist this person is awful <laughs> this person is i'm not that shocked by you saying that <laughs> um this person has said things like um the all sluts must die trope wow uh, we should lean into that or like right. these characters are too similar and i'm like why and they're like well we just don't have space for two strong females in one <laughs> <laughs> What are they gonna do? <laughs> They'll have to fight to the death. I'm on a Zoom call with these people. I I, I don't know how my face should be. Yeah, mm. I'm not great at controlling my face at the best of times. Mm. Um, and I I went on to kind of give us a, a small synopsis, pricey if you will, of uh, both the female characters they were discussing. <laughs> one of which is um a kind of very logical medic like a mm. paramedic mm-hmm. um who's spanish yeah. and the other one is like a very emotionally led impulsive um accidentally pregnant uh dyed her hair lots of dodgy colors female both of whom are too strong to, <laughs> to be in the same movie oh my god <sighs> oh man they're gonna be sharing recipes or like boyfriend tips or what like that's how i'm gonna stay interested yeah oh the thing that they were supposed to connect over was that they both liked a male in the movie <laughs> and that get and that on they, the phone <laughs> they weren't supposed to have a conversation with each other yeah generally the pe- things not passing the bechdel test upsets me yeah um and mm. to, the the idea that i would write something which didn't 
drove me mad with rage. So I made sure that there was a scene where two females talked to each other about something that wasn't, I mean, the scene doesn't even really need to be there, but it's uh... <laughs> just like eating a pie. Like this is nice. And that's the end of the scene. <laughs> it's just, it, yeah. But it's, it's the fact that um, I think the thing that really got me with every time he calls us girls, every time there's a kind of small micro aggression and there are so many in every call, like I wish I'd written them all down. Mm-hmm. they're just just they're, the frequency is ridiculous it just reminds you what position you're in and how little you can do about it because mm. if i was in a corporate situation um and he was my superior yeah. i might be able to take it up with hr right i could go yeah. to hr and say this man is being inappropriate and then we'd have a nice lot to sit down um my auntie works in hr and she was like yeah that wouldn't be allowed but because i'm a freelancer mm. and he is uh you know a male above me in a production line if i make a fuss the entire male by the way exclusively male production team could just sack me and say we'll get a different writer who's not gonna make a fuss and then you won't get on other projects that they're working on either so much exactly dependent on what they say about you to other people yeah and it's also things like um you know i brought up something that made me feel uncomfortable um uh with uh, one of the producers and we had to kind of all sit down together zoom about it <laughs> at intimate medium zoom and um then got explained at for like literally 10 minutes as to why what he'd said wasn't sexist the film was sexist um right. and it's not him it's that the content needs to be this way and so really i shouldn't be getting offended by this and he really didn't mean that thing about you know whatever he said it was actually my fault for misunderstanding and I just felt so alone there were seven people on this call and it's just oh like God. what do you do with that you know what we I think we should do I think we should put we should put everything that people on this season drag in like a little bowl at the end like write them on a piece of paper put them in a little bowl I'll get my friend who's a witch over yeah and she'll sort it out She'll sort it yeah. out. I love yeah. that. Okay. That's what we can do. I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna say, um, we'll put all the suggestions in a bowl and then you're gonna have to pick some of them out and make a rap about them. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like a performing seal. I'm like, yeah, all right. Ark, ark. <laughs> Jessica, I want you to relive your own personal trauma for the enjoyment Thank of you. our audience. Thank you. I did actually have a situation yesterday where yeah. um by the way, I'm aware we've lost we We've have. lost Katie, haven't we? Hey, Katie. Fucking hell. It was literally the minute you said we're going to get the witch to curse it. My whole computer blacked out. It's the witches. The witches have fucked up. I thought everything. they were supposed to be friends with us. Or the government is really scared of like a powerful force that isn't cis men. Mm. And so the moment that we've mentioned witches, they've started to shut down our internet and your computer. Um, we should say something to placate the government so they leave us alone. Um, okay, we, we, no, I can't do it. I can't no, possibly do we it. can't do it. We can't you, do it. They need to feel yeah, an intense sense of urgency and culpability for the things that they have done. Amen, amen. Um, to wind down, do you want to tell us about do you want to plug the projects that you're doing right now? Can you tell us your social medias? Can you tell us how to give you money? What would you like to tell people yeah. who are listening to this? Please do that. Most of October is spent developing a new musical that I've written, uh, and that's going to be at the cockpit. 
So I'm super excited for that. Brilliant. So exciting. Also, if you want to follow me, um, uh, you can do so. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at dragprov, uh, dragprov, like improv, but not uh, Twitter at dragprov, uh, or just follow me home, I think. <laughs> It took me a minute and then I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Do you have anywhere that people can support you? Do you have like a Patreon or a... Oh, yeah. Um, if you want to send me money, uh, then you can do so uh, at paypal.me um, forward slash dragprov. Everything is dragprov, basically. Very unified branding. Powell, thank you so much for being our first and wonderful guest. It's been such a joy to talk to you. Such a joy. Um yeah, it was wonderful. I want to talk more, but probably shouldn't. But series two. We'll talk more. We'll unpick we'll unpick people's attitude to masculine performance. Yeah. <laughs> I we actually love that. Let's do more. Let's do more because this has been so fun. Thanks so love much. Bye. 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 I don't know about you, but I reckon what this podcast needs is a wee bit of queer history. Luckily, our resident fashion guru, Victor Victorious, has it covered. So it's time for Queer History's Fashion Edition. History is dominated by straight white men, right? We all know that by now. If we looked back across time using only the main stories given to us before the 20th century, it would look like only heterosexual, cisgendered white bodies existed in the West, and that only those bodies wore clothes. Now, I think most of us queers know by now that history doesn't look like this because queer, non-binary, and people of colour didn't exist. Or that they were just totally naked all of the time, even though that's a great image. History looks this bland because it has been recorded and repeated back to us by a male and upper-class heteronormative system that has a vested interest in maintaining a power structure that benefits them, and only them. What does this have to do with queer fashion? Literally everything. What if we looked back at history by looking at style and self-expression? Imagine, for a moment, that the vibrant, exciting, boundary-breaking, queer subversive fashion we see around us today was actually always there across time and across the world. Wouldn't that look amazing? Couldn't that be sumptuous and surprising and mystifying? That is exactly what I want to look at with you during my rambles on the drag cast. I'm Victor Victorious, and this is Queer Fashion Histories. For my first week, I wanted to pick a topic that I wasn't nervous about. Something that I could just fangirl about for hours. And that topic is the 1953 Doris Day film, Calamity Jane. Now, I don't think many people would necessarily immediately equate Calamity Jane and queer history. Understandable. But I'd like to tell you the story of why I think that Calamity Jane and the costumes in it are so interesting in a queer context. The film is essentially a Wild West romance, with a love quadrangle that all comes good in the end, with the two couples marrying and setting off into the sunset, which all sounds pretty straight and predictable. But on closer inspection, the film 
is full of amazing queer subversive imagery, especially for a film made in the 50s for a mainstream audience. An excellent example is of an early scene of a man performing in drag, trying to pass as female. He wears an incredible western saloon girl dress in black and yellow with ruching and drapery, with a dark curly wig and outlandish makeup, and he sings a bawdy love song. At first, he's shy and reserved, but as the song unfolds, we see this man embrace his role on stage, and frankly, by the middle, he is having the time of his life. One critic puts it perfectly when they say that this performance shocks the on-screen hypermasculine audience into a riotous frenzy. The men watching really do lose it. They are completely taken with this sexual goddess. This super sexually charged atmosphere changes to anger and rage when the deception is discovered, which is unfortunately unexpected turn of events. But what this scene shows is that even in the 50s, mainstream audiences were accidentally accepting the idea that gender is signified by clothing, mannerisms and self-expression, and that you can choose to take it on or off. After all, the man is only discovered in a slapstick reveal when his wig is accidentally removed by a trombone. Doris Day's character, Calamity, demonstrates this gender performativity and fluidity throughout the film with her costumes and characteristics. The film opens with the exploits of Calamity, an out-and-out tomboy dressed in masculine garb with scrubby hair, a hat, and a dusty, road-weary face. Her outfit in the opening scene is absolutely iconic, full of dirty suede covered with fringe, a studded leather belt, thick tan suede gloves, an old western hat, and a raggedy red neckerchief, all topped off with a pair of well-worn cowboy boots and a polished gun at her hip. She is full of coarse language and ribald humour. She pushes and shoves to get to the bar and shoots her gun when she can't get a drink. She's physically familiar with men, but shy and careful of women. In some ways, the story that follows is disappointing from a queer perspective. Calamity ends up in a comically catastrophic farce in which Katie, a glamorous and gloriously feminine performer from Chicago, tries to tear down Calamity's image and rebuild it into a more acceptably feminine package to win her beau's heart. To quote the beautiful lady herself, all Calamity and her rough home needed was a woman's touch. Cue an incredible scene lasting five minutes where Katie and Kalam transform both the dusty cabin and Kalam's manly presentation into a clean and tidy representation of a lady. From a queer history point of view, this could be seen as a failure. But I definitely don't see it like that. And others feel the same way. Calamity does go through a huge change and at one point appears in a pink silk tulle confection that has all and sundry lauding her feminine beauty. But her character never truly changes. She never quite throws off her masculinity. She remains, throughout, recognisably herself. Her masculine self. 
By the end of the film, when she's united with her secret love, Wild Bill Hickok, she returns to screen in an almost identical outfit to the beginning of the film. Calamity is in a suede suit full of tassels, yet this one is lighter in colour, a sort of buff tan, and it's tailored, not tight, but definitely more flattering. It's paired with a crisp, bright white shirt and a neat black geometric bow tied at the base of the neck. The boots remain, and the gun at her hip, but everything is simply more clean, literally and in terms of the lines and structure. She even still dons a hat, but this one is broad-brimmed and simple, and crucially, new and less worn in. In this story, Calamity runs from the most masculine garb in her desire to fit in with the masculine core of her community to the rigidly feminine when trying to appeal to a man. Yet she settles on a style that is uniquely her own. The final result goes perfectly with her true character that comes shining through. A coarse, funny, strong and determined person not quite male, not quite female, in society's eyes, who has allowed herself enough vulnerability to love. I think that when we look at the roller coaster that Calamity goes on, specifically with her clothing, it shows the audience the plasticity of gender and just how important clothing is in expressing gender and selfhood. Whether or not Warner Brothers intended this in 1953, well, I'm not sure. But I'm also not sure that really matters. Thanks for listening. I have been Victor Victorious with Queer Fashion Histories. I am exhausted from absorbing all of this incredible queer culture. Luckily, Izzy a man has prepped a soothing, sexy bedtime story. Hello. I'm Isabel Adamarco-Young, actor, writer, long-time PEX member and first-time podcaster. And in this glorious inaugural series of the Drag King cast, I'm going to be sharing some of the most fascinating and salacious slivers of mostly queer literature I could find for your listening pleasure. Who said things can't get hot just because you can't see us? Over the series, you'll hear contemporary and ancient poets, short stories, real-life sexts, or as they used to be known, letters, and some material that superfans might recognise from our live shows. I'll be bringing them to life as my drag alter ego, Izzy a man, and providing some tidbits about the writers and context too. Okay, Isabel, sweetheart, I'll take it from here. Hey, you, strap in and make sure you got some tissues handy. Things might get emotional. Thanks, Izzy. In this episode, I thought I'd start us off right with queer poetry. Now, when you think queer poetry, you might think about your own teenage diaries, or maybe shy people at an open mic night in Hackney Wick. I'm taking us a bit further back than that. Wu Zhao was born in eastern coastal China sometime around 1780. It's not known exactly when she was born or died. She was the daughter of a merchant and, in true marrying your father style, married a merchant herself. She didn't have the best time with her father or partner, however, and she chose to spend her time with women as both friends and sexual partners. Several of her poems are central tributes to courtesans and female lovers. She actually received approbation and wide popularity during her time, becoming widely known as China's greatest lesbian poet. 
This may have been partly due to her informal, intimate tone and the fact she wrote on a wider range of subjects than other women poets of the time. I read that she's often referred to as the third best poetess in China, which, sure. Later in life, Wu Zhao left society and became a Taoist priestess. You might be familiar with the yin-yang symbol from Taoism, which, as far as I understand, represents the harmonious balance of equally important male and female energies. The ideology is that finding that internal balance is key to the health and well-being of each person. Women have been leaders in Taoist practice for many centuries, and apparently, although Confucian Taoism was more patriarchal, these days over a third of Taoist priests are female, and that number is rising. Wu Zhao would be proud. The poet Benjamin Zephaniah writes really interestingly about the poem I've chosen. He says, The Chinese love jade, but normally it's heavenly rather than sexual or erotic. I love the way Wu Zhao subverts jade and sees it present in the body of the woman she wants. I don't like analysing poetry, I'm more concerned about how it makes me feel. And this poem makes me feel like I want to be a lesbian when I grow up. An honourable goal, Benjamin, and we wish you all luck. So here's For the Courtesan Ching Lin as translated by Kenneth Rexroth and Ling Chung in the anthology Women Poets of China. On your slender body, your jade and coral girdle ornaments chime, like those of a celestial companion, come from the green jade city of heaven. One smile from you when we meet, and I become speechless and forget every word. For too long you have gathered flowers and leaned against the bamboos, your green sleeves growing cold in your deserted valley. I can visualize you all alone, a girl harboring her cryptic thoughts. You glow like a perfumed lamp in the gathering shadows. We play wine games and recite each other's poems. Then you sing, remembering south of the river with its heartbreaking verses. Then we paint each other's beautiful eyebrows. I want to possess you completely, your jade body and your promised heart. It is spring. Vast mists cover the five lakes. My dear, let me buy you a red painted boat and carry you away. Bitter rain. One yard full of bitter rain in my courtyard has sent autumn on its way home. Only vague, poetic feelings have nowhere to stay, dissolving in grey cloud and red leaves. At dusk, the moon is cold, rising out of the gloomy mist. Bamboo blinds will not descend from their silver hooks. Tonight my dream follows the wind and, enduring the chill, to the jade tower of your beautiful flesh. You have been listening to the Drag King cast from Pex Drag Kings. If you enjoyed it, then please donate to Pex's Patreon, where we'll shower you with extra content like the royalty you are. And if you can't afford that, then please subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes because it really does help. You can also follow us on Instagram at PexDragKings, on Twitter at PexDrag, and on Facebook at Pex.TheDragKings. The Drag King cast is presented by Jodie Mitchell, a.k.a. John Travolva, and Katie Bulmer, a.k.a. Luce Willis. And you also heard from Vic Aubrey, a.k.a. Victor Victorious, and Isabel Adamaka Young, a.k.a. Izzy Man.
DKC is produced by Katie Bulmer, Jodie Mitchell and Pex's executive producers Ellen Spence and Daisy Hale, artistic directed by Celine Lowenthal and has music from Anya Pearson of Dream Nails, artwork by Emma Hayden and photography by Ra Petherbridge. DKC is recorded live from our own homes because there's a global pandemic and you should all stay inside. Bye. (laughs) 